Welcome to Away From The Bench, where we're exploring the changing landscape of research and academia through the experiences and lives of scientists and their allies. In this episode, the newly minted Dr. Lana Wolford reflects on successfully defending her PhD thesis by Zoom during a global pandemic, with her thoughts for others on how to prepare for Aviva in this format. She also tells us about her creative side hustle, Cloud Chamber Studios, as a freelance graphic artist and scientific animator. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Lana. How are you today? Hi, David. I'm 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 well, thank you. Yeah, I'm just uh just kind of barreling on as as usual. It's been quite a relaxing morning so far. Exciting times, you know, with a bit of luck, we might head into phase two in Scotland tomorrow and yes. uh, we, we might actually get back into work uh, yeah. in the foreseeable future. Well, some of us into into a lab space, um, others still still working from home, sadly, and all the all the joys that that entails. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm going to be probably working from home until until the end of the calendar year, which is a is, is a pretty, pretty weird, uh, pretty weird thought. But uh, yeah, I know the um, obviously, a lot of the researchers are going going back into um, Centre for Inflammation Research, sort of as soon as they've set up all of the different rules. But I think it's going to be a really different space to work in. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think it's lots of different challenges for different different people. But yeah, I'm I'm stuck at home for the for the rest of the year. I think <laughs> you're absolutely right. The, the the way we're going to be working for for the next wee while is is completely different to anything we're used to, and. Anybody that thinks that they're not going to be working from home any anymore is going to be sadly, very sadly mistaken. Yes. <laughs> How are you today? Yeah, I'm. Um, yeah, I'm okay. Um, just kind of, I've got a couple of couple of projects that I'm I'm trying to get on with um, slowly. A couple of creative projects, which which makes it a bit easier to stay motivated, which is good. Um, I actually had my my first year um, personal uh, professional development review yesterday. Um, so I'm now officially off um, off probation, um, which is which is quite cool for my for my new role. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I'm I'm pretty good. Cool. Did you hit some targets for the for for the, the the probationary period and set some goals for the next year? Yeah, I've set some yeah set some goals for the next year, which was good. I mean, one of the one of the nice things about the first uh, review is is you haven't set any targets previously, so you, it's it's kind of a bit of a bit of an easy ride the first one, but. Uh, yeah, it was good to sort of have a chat about because uh, my role was always quite flexible um, in terms of doing public engagement and communications. I'm not quite at people's beck and call, but but I, I just kind of do do what people are interested in doing. So uh, it's always been quite a flexible role and they, they were never quite sure exactly what it was going to entail. Um, so, yeah, it's been quite nice to chat about it and, and set some set some goals. It looks like you're in a nice bright room um, on the video that I can see you. Is it is it a nice day where you are today, or have you got yeah, a large um, window? It's kind of overcast, but it's still fairly fairly bright. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm quite lucky in that um, I'm in a in a tenement flat in Dolry, but I'm on the top floor, and uh, I've got I've got quite big windows. Um, 
which is is one of the nice things about working from home because my 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 office in the center doesn't have any windows at all um so it, it's quite nice uh, to to be able to see see the kind of um the day passing working from home's not so bad then have you got um have you found yourself you know, kind of uh, a bit like the film, the Hitchcock film, Rear View, Rear Window. If you you peer out to see what your neighbours are up to, um, keep an eye on the <laughs> I, keep an eye on the other tenements. Yeah, yeah, I can't really see the rest of my um, my my row, but uh, yeah, I can see out over um, over the rest of Dalry and and some of the Pentlands as well. So it is uh, it's given that it's kind of that part of town um, and it's out of town. It's actually a pretty good view. I love a view of the Pentlands. I love a, a, the temptation of getting up a hill. Uh, yes, drive me nuts. Yes, me too. <laughs> You're kind of interesting because we want to talk to you about um, doing your Viva online, but you were a PhD student. You're not a PhD student now. Uh, so no. do you want to tell us what your PhD was about in a nutshell and then what you do now and maybe like how you got between the two? So my, my PhD project was, was pretty applied. Um, so I was trying to see whether um, a light scattering technique called Raman spectroscopy could be used to improve the accuracy of um, cervical screening process. So most people know that as the smear test. Um, and it's actually pretty, pretty inaccurate by modern testing standards, although it, you know, it's, it's quite a, a successful screening program. Um, so I was using this um, light scattering technique to look at the molecular content of healthy versus diseased cells. Um, so that was the kind of main main purpose of the project. Um, and I was also looking at relative levels of a, of a particular protein that's associated with um, cervical disease called P16, where sort of how much of that protein there is in, in different different cell types. The way that I was looking at it is, is basically, um, so there's lots of different kinds of Raman spectroscopy and most labs tend to specialize in one of these particular techniques and they spend all of their time kind of developing that particular technique. But I was part of a program where I got to actually work with lots of different labs who were specializing in different versions of the same technique. So I kind of tried to flip the, the question on its head and actually ask, well, if you take a particular um, kind of medical or clinical problem like the screening program um, and, and look at it, kind of start with that and look at what which technique would be best to improve that screening program rather than looking at it from the perspective of the technique. Um, so I ended up doing a whole load of different, looking at different techniques and, and trying to basically work out whether there was, which one would be best to address the problem and also, you know, how much you could potentially improve the screening program through using that technique. Um, so, so that's that was kind of my my PhD in in a nutshell. Um, and then during the PhD, so it was a four year program as part of the Optima um, Optical Medical Imaging PhD program. And we were really lucky because we had a dedicated um, public engagement officer attached to the program. And so we were kind of all in, encouraged as students to get involved with different kinds of communication and engagement alongside, alongside our research. And I just found that um, increasingly, although I really, really enjoyed being at the lab bench, um, I absolutely loved going out and, and chatting to people and having, having conversations with non-scientists about, um, about the work that we were doing and about their perspectives on research or on a particular kind of topic. Um, and and in the end, I just I ended up doing a placement with um, 
uh, a science illustrator in, in Bristol called Vivid Biology for three months as part of the programme, which I was really lucky to be able to do. Just kind of decided really at that point that I, I really wanted to look into doing engagement and communication um, and community building as a, as a career. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I ended up in the, in the role I am now. And that's at the Centre for Inflammation Research in Edinburgh? It is, yeah. And how long have you been in that role now? Uh, nine months as of yesterday. Oh, congratulations on the birth of your new child. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. Um, so I thought you were quite interesting to talk to because you um, you probably are, are a bit of a pioneer. Uh, I'm sure you're not the first, but definitely a pioneer of, of, of PhD students who have had to do their Viva um, online via video link. And I'm sure it won't be, you know, we'll see this happening more and more in future. Um, so I thought it might be interesting to get your perspective on a bit of the story of how that came about, because I think it was, was it middle of April that you you, you did that? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So it was only, only kind of three weeks after the, the lockdown had started in Scotland. So that means that you would have had it booked in, but you wouldn't have been planning to have it online. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. So it was it was a it was a pretty, pretty confusing and quite sort of fast paced period of time um, in terms of the Viva, because before the lockdown happened and, you know, it was booked in, as you say, and we were all working on the assumption that um, so there were there were four of us who were due to be in the in the Viva. So it was me, my internal examiner, my external examiner, as you would normally have. And then I also had to have a non-examining chair um, because my internal examiner hadn't done that many vivas before. Um, so they basically sit in on the meeting and, and make sure that um, it's kind of all going as it should and, and that the, the examiners have filled in all of the paperwork that they need to fill in, things like that. So um, my internal and my uh, my chair and, and me were obviously all based in Edinburgh. Um, and then my external had come from the University of Exeter. And um, originally, with the kind of social distancing rules before the lockdown started, we had arranged to for all of the people based in Edinburgh to be in a room together, but sort of seated two metres apart. And then my external video conferencing in. So although obviously, well, the external examiner asks the, the bulk of the questions um but in terms of just having that kind of having things like social cues from people and having the atmosphere of it happening in a room wasn't going to be hugely different um up until the lockdown hit um so then then uh, then the lockdown happened and and sort of got got my internal examiner got in touch and and said that obviously we we're going to have to do the entire thing by um some kind of video conferencing platform um, at that point, I really didn't want to have to postpone the Viva anymore because I'd submitted my thesis just before Christmas, and so so having it kind of in in April anyway was was quite a long quite a long time. Um, so I'm not going to lie that that kind of three week period between um, the lockdown happening and the Viva was was really quite stressful because I was I was trying to sort out some semblance of a working home working pattern. Um, I was also sort of desperately trying to finish up prepping for the Viva. Um, and then I wasn't really having, because I, I live in a flat on my own, so I didn't really have any social contact with anyone and had fairly limited contact with work colleagues who were all crazily busy trying to kind of work out what they were doing as well. Um, so we had a test call on Zoom two weeks before 
the Viva. Um, and yeah, this was at the point where basically everyone had only just heard what Zoom was and were trying to work out which platform was the best to use. Um, so uh, so that, that was fine. Um, we tested that out um, and chatted for about half an hour. Um, at that point, they suggested that I do a presentation to kind of open the Viva, um, which did stress, again, stress me out a bit because I'd only... In normal circumstances, I only knew a couple of people who'd been asked to do a presentation as part of their Viva. Um, and then it, I obviously had the additional um, work of, of having to put the presentation together. Um, but in hindsight, I'd actually rec really recommend doing a presentation um, as part of an online Viva because the first the first 20 minutes are always the worst because you feel really nervous. You don't know what's going to happen Um so at least if you know you have to give a presentation, you kind of know what the first 15 minutes of the Viva is going to look like. Um, so it, it, it kind of allows you to set the scene uh, rather than being thrown off by opening questions in a kind of slightly weird setting where you're in your own home, but you're, you're, you're being examined. Was that just a presentation to your panel or could anybody of your, your other colleagues or friends attend that? It was just um, to the panel. It's more common for people to give um, a kind of final pre-Viva seminar to a, to a bigger audience before they, before they do their Viva. But uh, I didn't have to do that. So it was just, it was just my panel. Um, but uh, it, was, it was quite, I mean, I could obviously see, I could just about see their expressions um, as I was sharing, sharing the screen. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty odd situation i think in any circumstance having to do a presentation while you're just sitting in front of a computer but um yeah it wasn't it wasn't too bad in the end yeah uh, presenting to a computer is is a whole whole lot different kettle of fish to just having a video chat um, yeah it really is <laughs> I, I, i've experienced that and it's a it's a very strange surreal kind of experience so you've um, you've done a presentation uh, at the same time your 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 panel are all in the same boat that perhaps uh, they haven't had that many video chats or certainly not done um, video uh, vivas. So, you know, yeah. did you have a, a bit of sympathy for them and, and they, they perhaps didn't have a clue what was going on either? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, definitely, because it's it's the first one either of my examiners had done by Zoom. And um, my my internal uh, examiner hadn't, I don't think, had done any vivas in Edinburgh anyway. So, that was kind of a double whammy. And then but the, uh, the person I felt actually quite sorry for was my my non-examining chair, who really her role was as a kind of adjudicator. But my my viva was four and a half hours long, which is unusually long. And um, because she had to listen to everything that was happening, she just had to sit in her wherever she was at home for, for four and a half hours, not really doing anything, but not being able to do anything else. <laughs> so there must have been insanely boring. <laughs> was um, she polite enough to keep her video on so she, she couldn't sneak off? Yeah, so she had to she had to have her video on, but she did say, I'm going to mute my microphone so that I can check my emails while I'm on the call. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's brutally honest. Brutally yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah, I did appreciate that. Once you'd done your presentation, you, you said that helped you kind of relax or ease into it a bit. Did it flow yeah. pretty well for the next four hours after that? It was easy enough asking questions, answering questions, getting the kind of, as you we've talked about, like kind of the visual feedback and cues from people's faces and body language and how did that all kind of work out for me it worked um it worked surprisingly well because I really wasn't sure what to expect but I think I think the yeah the, the kind of body language and social cues um aspect is is one of the most difficult things for, for me about about video calls 
partly I just find it slightly exhausting because um, you're you you can pick up stuff from people as they're as they're listening. It, particularly if there's only four people on a call rather than having something with sort of fifty people or or doing something as a kind of online webinar. But um, yeah, it's just it's just more tiring because you're you're having to concentrate on what you're saying and also yeah you, you feel like you're having to make an extra effort to pick up social cues the, yeah absolutely right the you know i think I, i've come across a couple of articles discussing that we pick up on on subconsciously pick up on social cues and we don't necessarily get those in video chat so you're yeah. right you have to you have to concentrate really hard on what someone's face is saying and what they're saying and listening and you know not interrupting and time differences and stuff um yeah it, it it is surprisingly tiring yeah no it really is um so so yeah i mean it did feel um time just felt like it was doing really strange things um because we yeah i think we started at we started at 10 in the morning um and it took such a long time because the the first kind of data chapter that they that they went through i think they spent kind of an hour and a half just on just on that um and by the time we 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 didn't we didn't break for lunch in the end i asked not not to break for lunch because i was kind of as you say because it was it was it's quite tiring doing things by video chat when we when we kind of took a a quick comfort break for five minutes at i think half past 12 um i i basically realized at that point that if i stopped for half an hour and had a rest i would just not be able to carry on (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, can we just can we just carry on um, and, and kind of get it get it not over and done with? Because it is one of those strange things that um, there's a kind of a bit of a tension. I, I think in any in any Viva setting, not just kind of doing it online, but there's a bit of a tension between wanting it to be over, but also it represents you kind of showing the culmination of work that you've been doing for four years. So it's kind of a weird tension between yeah, wanting to to make the most of it as the kind of last hurrah for your PhD, but also kind of, yeah, wanting it to be over as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, and, and I imagine once you're once you're in your flow and you know it's going kind of well and you're on top of things, that it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not the worst experience in the world, I would imagine. Quite enjoyable, some people. Yeah, no, I think definitely after the first maybe hour, um, once a couple of the more difficult questions were, were out of the way, um, I, I actually ended up really, really enjoying it as a, as a process, um, given how, how kind of stressed I'd been, particularly the day before. Um, yeah, it ended up yeah, being, being quite enjoyable. Did you bother to um, seek out any, any tips from um, friends or colleagues that had done it previously or, or even kind of find somebody that had had to do an online one uh, before to see if there was any insight they could offer? Yeah, I did. So I, um, I've i got um, quite a few friends from the institute that I worked in um, across town, at, um, Institute for Genetics and Molecular Medicine. So quite a lot of my peers had done their vivas um, in kind of early, early 2020 or late 2019. Um, so I, I did have a chat to them about kind of general, sort of general viva questions, how they prepared for it, that kind of thing. Um, but then I did, I tried to look online for um, examples of people who'd, yeah, were kind of giving tips about doing it online. And um, I couldn't find anything. Um, and I saw that, um, so the, one of the courses they recommend that you you go on um, in Edinburgh is called Viva Survivor. Uh, and it's, it's like a, a workshop you can do to kind of give you tips for the Viva itself. But so I knew that they were, but they'd all been cancelled because of the lockdown. So I was just like, okay, I'm just going to have to kind of go for it. 
yeah, so um, I, I didn't really feel like I had much to go on apart from the kind of general general advice that, that friends tend to give once they've done it. Now that you've done one, do you think, well, you don't have anything to compare it to, I suppose, but um, do you think there's much difference then to to other than the circumstances to a Vive online to one kind of in person? Um, you know, do the, do the same principles apply and the tips and tricks that people talk about? Do they still, are they still relevant? I think the, the kind of tips for doing the Viva itself pretty much stay stay the same because I, for me, the, the I mean, as you say, I don't have anything to compare it to, but the actual experience itself didn't feel that different to what I'd expected a normal Viva would feel like. The main thing for me that felt really different was was just before and just after. Um, so I'd, I kind of set up a little uh, workstation on my on my dining room table beforehand um but kind of setting setting it up and knowing that you're just about to have this this kind of final exam was 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 pretty weird but the weirdest thing was um ending the call pressing pressing kind of leave meeting at the end of the viva once they told me that i'd passed and then just kind of sitting in the flat and not really i didn't really know what to do with myself because because normally when you finish your viva you kind of you know sort of open a bottle of Prosecco and have a have a drink with your examiners and then you go and meet all your friends and sort of have a have a party and and it was just really odd um and I'd booked in you can still do that there's there's more Prosecco to go around if it's yes. just you and your yeah own. I did um so that was one of the things I did the night before to prepare was I, I I put a bottle in the in the fridge as a kind of reminder that in 24 hours it would be done <laughs> um so so that was good um, um I guess yeah, one of the nice things was was I ended up having four different parties on Zoom um, in the space of one day without having to leave my sofa, <laughs> which was... Uh, With which Prosecco was like, for each party? Yeah. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. But, yeah, I'd say in terms of, I guess, in terms of tips um, for other people doing the same thing, yeah, as a general rule, uh, one of the things that, yeah, I found difficult was if you're separated from your peers socially and you don't have um obviously people keep in touch online but there's there's something about having those kind of corridor meetings or or meetings when you bump into people where they they just kind of give you a little bit of reassurance and a little bit of kind of perspective I guess um and if you're doing it completely in a in a in an online setting you don't really get that that sense of perspective from from other people who've maybe do have already done it or are just about to go through the same thing as you. So I'd say definitely check in with other people um, who are who are kind of going through the same thing, just because it, it really does put it in perspective. Um, and the other thing, yeah, just generally speaking, is for a viva is always keep a, a mind on how much work you've done and how much you've learned. Um, and I know it sounds really cheesy, but just be really proud of what you've done. Because I think a lot of people go into their Viva thinking about, oh, I didn't get to finish that experiment or, or the data from that didn't go as well as I'd hoped or that kind of thing. And it's it can be quite easy to, to just focus on those things, but actually just to be proud that you spent three or four years of your life um, doing this one thing. Um yeah, I'd say that that definitely put me in a in a much better frame of mind. Great tips, great tips, Lana, and and I'm uh, and I think you know you're probably due uh, an absolutely massive bender of a party uh, <laughs> once once you can actually socialise in person in pe- person with people. You should probably repeat that and 
Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm fully planning to have a massive like Viva anniversary party uh, on the 16th of April 2021. <laughs> I'd like to also talk about um your little uh not it's not so little, but your um your side hustle, your side business, uh, or maybe it's your main business, you can tell me. Uh Cloud Chamber Studios. Uh yeah. tell me tell me about that. Um we'll talk about you can link to it just now if you want to Tell us more about that or I will fire links into the show notes because people have to have a look at the the, the work you do um, on, on the side because I think it's very cool. Thank you. Yeah, so um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to admit I'm, I'm, I'm not really on top of the whole kind of social media um, comms, comms stuff for my own business at the moment, which is not a particularly good advert, but it's, it's one of the things that during lockdown has just kind of... Um, it's just it just sort of um, slid to the bottom of the pile, um, but yeah, you can follow me. Um, it's at chamber underscore science um, on on Twitter, <clears throat> and I'm I'm hoping to set up uh, the the website and, and Instagram for it soon. But uh, yeah, so I've been doing kind of um, what do you call it ad hoc uh, graphics freelance stuff for people for quite a long time, basically since since I started my undergrad. It was it was it kind of started out as my beer money um, side hustle. <laughs> I would just kind of if people needed posters for I don't know concerts they were doing with their with their band or something like that I I kind of say well if you give me twenty quid I'll make you a poster so that's it started it was kind of very very humble beginnings um, and then I guess mostly during my 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 PhD um, I realised that there are a lot of a lot of people out there who really felt that they weren't kind of communicating themselves effectively through images. Um, So either images in papers or desperately trying to make graphical abstracts on on PowerPoint and and stuff like that, and and were kind of really struggling with it and would spend hours and hours and hours um, trying to turn out images. So I kind of started just helping people, um, mostly, you know, mostly just, just for free, kind of helping people to make those images um and also personally getting a bit a bit frustrated that particularly in a biological context where everything's sort of quite dynamic as for me a static image never quite kind of cuts the mustard in terms of what you can communicate so I, I kind of started looking into um teaching myself to animate simple um simple images uh, and then as I said before I was really lucky to land this placement with a with a professional science illustrator down in Bristol um, for three months and, and spent those three months um, working on an animation about the history of fruit flies in research um, and ended up, I was uh, really, really pleased. I ended up winning the, the Bristol Science Film Festival with that, with that animation. And that almost kind of confirmed for me that that was not only something that I really enjoyed and even though I was kind of self-taught with the animation, um, was something that I was reasonably sort of good at doing. Um, it was something that people really appreciated, um, although it, it's quite time consuming, just just being able to log in and, and, and watch a video rather than having to look up sort of Wikipedia links or, or whatever, if you're just a lay person who's interested in, in science. Um, so, yeah, I started um, once people had seen that animation, a couple of people got in contact with me and said, well, um, I'm really interested in doing a, an animated kind of summary, summary of my research, and I, I have no idea how to do it or what information I need to provide. If I give you some money out of my research grant, would you would you be willing to make it? And then I suddenly thought, well, actually, this is kind of a viable business. <laughs> um, so I've done a couple of um, a couple of 
things for people, um, short, short animations for free, kind of early in the sort of early period after I'd won the science festival and then went about setting up a business. Um, so that was a, a bit of a bit of a learning curve for me. But uh, yeah, so so as of um, as of kind of September last year, when I when I started the the role at the part time role at um, the Center for Information Research, doing public engagement and communications, I also set up um, Cloud Chamber Studios, um, and and now I've got a few uh, a few commissions that have been booked in for the for the rest of the calendar year. Um, so. It's kind of difficult to manage time-wise because my only official freelancing day is on a Friday because my my role in CIR is four days a week. Um, so it, it feels like it sometimes feels like really really slow progress. But um, yeah, I, I I really enjoy doing science animation and and having to it kind of it keeps me on my toes in terms of the research, but it's also uh, really creative as well. You've definitely got a style. Like I can see some of your images on your your Twitter feed, and they're they're not quite kind of overtly cartoony, but they're they're cute. Like the cells yeah. are cute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You know, so I definitely, if anybody is listening and they want to check it out and they want something that doesn't look like everyone else's bio render um, or power or PowerPoint kind of yeah. images, then definitely get it, get in touch. Um, and uh, you know. Keep, keep Lana busy on a Friday. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I like dabbling in this kind of stuff. If you know, if 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 you were a if you were a PhD student with a, a little bit of artistic flair, sadly I have zero artistic flair with drawing oh. stuff. But how do you get an idea from your head or from a sketch to a digital image or even beyond that into a kind of animation? Can you like just touch on very briefly the workflow for that? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question. Um, it, it, I mean, it kind of depends on the type of animation you're doing. So I've been working on some quite stylized um, science animations, which aren't kind of technically accurate. They're more kind of arty and, and a bit abstract. Um, so that's quite different. But if you're if you're a kind of research scientist who's who's looking to um, looking to kind of represent your work visually. Um, I find it a really interesting process from a scientific perspective because you have to sit down and really think quite carefully about what's actually happening. What is the mechanism that you're that you're working with? Um, so I guess I guess to start with, um, as a workflow, you'd think about kind of who are the. This sounds really silly, I guess, in a scientific context, but who are the characters? Who are the kind of players in your in your image? So you know, if you're working with with particular cell types, particular immune cell types, or something like that, who are the who are the main characters in your kind of um, scene? Um, what do you actually want to talk about? What's the main message behind your research? Try and pick out like one main message that you want to convey, um, and then try to kind of you essentially you're really thinking about what's actually happening in my research. Can I can I represent this visually? Um, so then I start to draw in. Um, yeah, the kind of main the main characters, maybe the cell types or or something like that, and then try and build up a sense of kind of the the landscape, which is kind of the context of your research. So you don't just want you know this is not happening in um, you know these cells aren't floating in space. Where are they? Like what 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 kind of context does it have for people who are who are not experts? Where is this happening? Is it you know are you looking at liver disease? Are you looking at um, 
Are you looking at lung inflammation? Um, yeah, so the, the background kind of gives you a context for, for where this, why this is important, where it's taking place. So then I try to, yes, yeah, I guess start um, sketching in some of the background. And then um, at that point, I might tweak it on the basis of what kind of movement I want in the scene. Um, so again, you're kind of thinking about um, what what you actually want to convey, what kind of mechanism do you want to convey, and and, and setting up the scene so that um, that mechanism is really really clear and it's kind of in the centre of the what's happening. Um, it's kind it's difficult. It's, it's a really interesting question because it's it's kind of difficult to say what's going on in my head when I make um, when I make these images, but. Um, yeah, that's a good. Uh, I'll have to think about that a bit more. I think because it's it's an interesting question. <laughs> I like I like the idea of um, who who defining who the players are, who the actors are in the story, yeah, uh, who the protagonists are and the the villains and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Definitely. I think I, th I think that's a good a good analogy to use, perhaps when we're just talking about our own science. You yeah. know, anytime, anytime. That's a good yeah, good way definitely. of thinking about it. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Thanks for your time, Lana. Let's uh, let's wrap things up with my favourite question. And sadly, like the morning is usually when I'm when I've got a bit of space from the kids. But maybe dinner's a wee while away. What's for dinner tonight? Have you got Have you got a meal plan? Oh yeah, I've I've kind of been um, during lockdown. I've been I think because I've been missing travelling. I've been working through this uh, cookbook I got of like Mediterranean recipes. So I can't actually remember what the name is of the thing I was going to try making tonight. But you basically bung a load of veggies and stuff in a pan with with herbs and and some nice olive oil and and stuff, and then chuck some tuna and olives and things on top and it just looked really really easy and quite tasty and 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 kind of reminding me of places that I would have quite liked to have visited over the summer <laughs> that is lovely that is lovely a glass of wine with it perhaps yeah I might do I might just do that <laughs> oh and are we maybe maybe a little postcard or a, a large desktop picture on your computer of a, of a beach somewhere Mediterranean yeah absolutely beach. some some ambient music maybe <laughs> oh. That does sound very pleasant. Uh, what's on Netflix or your latest Spotify playlist or yeah, books? And you know, what what's on the downtime? What's what what have you got going on when you you got some spare time? Yeah, um, I to be honest, I haven't been watching a huge amount of TV. It's never something um, I've ended up doing, but I have been. I do listen to a lot of music and I have pretty, pretty eclectic um, taste in music. So um, sounds like a challenge. I think I've got an eclectic taste. Um, so let's <laughs> not get into that. But yeah, what's, what's, what, what are you listening to? So um, I've actually been listening to um, a few playlists of um, chill hop music while I've been working, which sounds a bit, a bit weird, but um, it just has this quite nice it's kind of a little bit, a little bit kind of jazzy and energetic, but but kind of generally very very chill. And I just find that in the absence of kind of being in an office with people, it, it just sets a nice kind of nice mood to just crack on with some work, which is which is good. Um, I'm the, I'm the same. I, I I've gone down some weird weird yeah. musical rabbit holes while I'm working of of stuff that I I, I wouldn't even consider listening to any other time but you know yeah. while you're trying to crank out a few words on, a, on some paper it, it seems to fill fill a hole yeah definitely wonderful uh, tell us again about uh your twitter address for cloud chamber studios and for yourself if you have your own twitter feed or any other way how can yeah. people find out about you online 
Um, so until the um, the work in progress that is the Cloud Chamber Studios website is actually up and running, yeah, Twitter is is the is the best way to keep in touch. Um, so uh, my own Twitter handle is um, Lana Wolford, um, and then Cloud Chamber Studios is Chamber underscore Science. Yeah, I've I've been a little bit quiet on on those for for a while in the past, but I'm I'm trying to sort of slowly slowly ramp it up again. Um, I mean, Twitter is is quite a strange place um, at the moment um, for for lots of good reasons, um, but I, I I feel like I I should kind of add add to the conversation. So yeah, nobody's talking about Brexit anymore for some reason. Yeah, that's just kind of it's weird because it's still happening, but no one's really talking about it. <laughs> there's 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 perhaps more important things to think about right now. Yeah, that's very true. Lana, thank you so much for chatting to me uh, today. I I really in, enjoyed hearing oh, about what, what it's like to do a, a Viva, uh, what it's like to do one while staring at a computer for four and a half hours and yeah. <laughs> uh, hearing more about your your um, digital uh, science animation business. Oh, Thank you very thanks much. Thanks very much. Thank you, David. That was great. again. Thanks for sticking around this long. I hope to keep these conversations relatively bite-sized for your consumption. If you want to get in touch about anything we've talked about or with any comments, you can find us on Twitter at at AFTB underscore podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day and have an amazing week, folks. (laughs) 